0: Holy Spirit, we're just going to pray for Pastor David and that God will release his word. We just thank you so much for what you're doing in this place already, Holy Spirit. We thank you for the words that you want to speak and for what you want to speak over 2017 and also just what you're doing in the church in this day, that we would hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Whoa. We would hear your voice, God. We just ask that your, your voice would speak through David. In Jesus' name, we ask you to anoint his lips. Woo. That your words would go forth boldly. Whoa. Run swiftly and be glorified. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah.
1: Thank you, guys. Wow. Holy Ghost. <laughs> ah, God is so good. Merry New Year. I have, uh, I have, uh, I realize it's not technically the New Year, so I'll just say Merry New Year's Eve. Uh, it's always a blessing to be able to be together with you guys, celebrate together so looking forward to fellowshipping after uh, as well. Uh, two, 2017, uh, hopefully it was a great year for you guys uh, that you know you had a good time uh, in your journey with the Lord and of course we're all on a journey and I just hope that you know of course there's always difficulties uh, in this age that we have to overcome. but I hope that you look back at that last year with fondness. Um, that you you can focus on the victories, the breakthroughs, because God is always doing something awesome, isn't he? Uh, Even if it doesn't look like it, sometimes we know that he's working everything together for the good for, for all of us. And often it's in retrospect when you look back and you realize, man, although that was a challenging year, uh, God did this, God did that, and this came out of it and and I'm, now i 'm stronger, right? And so uh, if two thousand and seventeen wasn't your best year, we're going to believe that this coming year will be, uh, but even if it wasn't, ask God, okay, God, what did you do in my life last year what 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 things are you working together for for my good, believing that hey we we are not without hope, right? The kingdom of God is is not a matter of food or drink, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Paul's prayer for us in Romans 15 13 is that that the God of hope would fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So hope is just, it's an amazing thing. And, you know, we have the honor and privilege of being a people of hope. So I just proclaim that hope over each one here um, that you can look to the future and just know this is going to be a good year. God has good things in store for me. Amen? So what I just wanted to say is, is uh, if you remember, we're technically still in 2017. If you were here, we started this year talking about the history of not only our church, but essentially the main focus was on the history of our movement, of Catch the Fire, going all the way back to the Jesus movement uh, the the uh, Calvary Chapel, Vineyard, uh, and then, of course, the Revival. Because knowing our history is such a crucial part of knowing who we are today. Uh, not only as a movement, but as a church. Because, of course, uh, we don't know where we're going unless we know where we've come from. And so we also talked about how all of that influenced the values that we have as a movement. And so uh, without uh, going into too much detail, I just wanted to mention that uh, if you're interested, uh, I have the links up there. Can you go back one, Delia? Um, uh, Or you could go to the podcast, check them out, um, and you you can learn more about that, okay? Because what I talked about, uh, essentially, um, not only the history of our movement, but what we were doing and and the focus we had this last year, which was a presence-driven life, Okay. Um, and so that influenced the messages we had, the series we had, and, and most of everything we we had was giving a solid biblical foundation of that's what we're called to be, as the people of God, the people of his presence, the body of Christ. And so what I mentioned in, in those first couple messages, uh, just briefly, is that God planted this church for a specific reason. Amen? He has a specific purpose uh, for this church, And we as a church have some key goals that the Lord has been placing on our hearts and had placed in our hearts. And um, I just wanted to refresh our memory with that. This isn't an exhaustive list, but but the following six points I have up here are factors that influence our overall goals, decisions, and outward practices as a church. Okay, so of course we're a catch-the-fire church. We have all the -the catch-the-fire DNA, the -the catch-the-fire values, and as you can see, these points really flow out of that. Okay, so who are we as a church? So just, just quickly, and if you're interested, you can listen to those first two messages I have posted there. Our main priority is to be a resting place of the Lord, a temple of the Holy Spirit, a place where his presence dwells, hence a presence-driven life, a presence-driven church. Okay, and, and um, I'm going to go over a couple scriptures reminding us that's what we're called to be as a church, is the temple of the Holy Spirit a community that highly values worship and prayer. We are we love to worship. Amen. I mean you guys know it we just worshiped for almost an hour and we <laughs> unashamedly love it. That's who we are. That's who we are as a movement. And and, uh, when I went over those messages er, uh, last year that I mentioned, we talked about really our movement can be traced back to the Jesus people movement, and that's where contemporary worship was birthed out of. And so inevitably we have that in our DNA. A community of people who fully embraces the word and the spirit. We don't want this false dichotomy that we're either a word church or a spirit church. We want both, right? And often in church history you can see, People try and pit them against each other and pick one over the other, but we want to hold the truth in tension and say, no, we, we want to fully 100% embrace the moving of the Spirit, fully 100% embrace the Word of God. Um, a place where people come to encounter God, right? I mean, come on, if Catch the Fire is known for anything, it's the revival that happened in 94. People from all over the world still come and have dramatic life-changing encounters that change everything, and that's what happened to me. And and I just love you know the the moving of the Holy Spirit. We love that as a church, and so we want our church to to have that same DNA, that same goal, that same value that people really tangibly encounter the presence of the Lord, uh, uh, people who live and walk by the Spirit. Uh, we've talked all about that this past year, and a community of people who are diligently seeking and believing God for more. You guys, if you're here last two weeks ago when I talked about that village of people um, and the, the, um, that woman who wanted to make this century the century of the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit. And do you remember what prayer she wanted to be the most common prayer? Anybody? Come, Holy Spirit. Isn't it phenomenal that's basically what happened? right? Come, Holy Spirit, that came in the, uh, through the vineyard, and we, we, we hear that all the time. And so, we are a people who believe that there's always more. In fact, that, that story I read from the book, Randy Clark's book, There's More. Because that's really a message that came out of this movement, that there's always more. No matter what you've encountered, God is infinite, and there's always more to encounter. We're going to be discovering God and going deeper uh, in Him and, and discovering more facets, facets of Him for eternity, because He's infinite. There's, he's inexhaustible, Right? And so there's no limits. And that's the point of that, is that we always want to be seeking more. We don't want to level off and believe, okay, I've been there, done that. No, there's always more. So as I mentioned, the theme of 2017 was a presence-driven life, and we want to be a presence-driven church. And really, like I mentioned biblically, we are called to be a people of his presence, right? A people where his presence dwells. Now, uh, the theme for 2018... When in prayer, we felt basically to just continue on that but extend it. And you'll, you'll see, is expanding the kingdom through a presence-driven life. Okay? And if you don't know, this is essentially a paraphrase of the E value of catch the fire. Okay, if you, if you don't know, I, I did a series for a few months, I think four months, last year, so you can check out our website, and we go all in detail on all the values of Catch the Fire. But FIRE is actually an acronym. The Father of Heart of God, intimacy, presence, and hearing God's voice, restoration of the heart, and E is extending the kingdom through equipping, empowering, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So as you can see, this is essentially that value, <laughs> just paraphrased, extending the kingdom through a presence-driven life. And so we, we really want to uh, talk about, because last year we talked about trying to build a, fa- a, a biblical foundation of a presence-driven life, okay, what that means, what that looks like. And the last uh, several messages, we basically focused on the I value, which is intimacy, presence, hearing God's voice. And you'll notice that that's a focus we have. So if you come to one of our special events, you may or may not have noticed, we always focus on one of those values. Last year, we had Ron and Jill Covey speak on restoration of the heart, restoring the foundations, the um, our value. We had Barry Adams talk about the Father heart of God. right? We had uh, Mark Verkler, who's coming back in March, talking about hearing God's voice, which is the I value. And then whenever we have Steve and Sandra here, Typically, they focus on the E-value, okay? And so this is who we are. This is what we focus on. But for the last several messages, I've been kind of focusing on the I-value, and this year, we're going to kind of go more in the (laughs) E-value-ish, generally speaking, because really the church has two primary purposes. There's more than two, but if you look scripturally, you could argue—can you go to the next slide, Delia? that there's two primary purposes of every church community. This isn't just us. This is really what we're called to as Christians, as the church. First of all, one main one is to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, a place where God's presence dwells. And I'm just going to give, briefly give a couple scriptures to remind you guys that that's a huge calling we have as the body of Christ. But the second one, I just said it, is that we're to be the body of Christ. Okay, and what, what, what is that? We are empowered by the Spirit to be, quote-unquote, Jesus' hands and feet to the church and to the world, right? We're literally the body of Christ. He's the head, and now in in the present day, we're to continue what Jesus began and continue his ministry. And his ministry, if you guys remember, I did a whole uh, series on the kingdom of God. What was his entire message? The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. Right? That was what Jesus, more than anything else, talked about the kingdom of God. And so we, as the church, are called to continue that ministry in that message in the present day. Okay? And that's what it means to be the body of Christ. And, and that's what I want to kind of talk about today. But before I get in that, I just want to remind us, because I don't want us to lose sight of this. This is a huge purpose we have as a church, is to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So you, you see this in 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17. Don't you know that you yourselves, talking about the church at Corinth, are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Isn't that amazing? How many of you felt the presence of God during worship today? Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about we as a gathered people are the fulfillment of all the... (laughs) It's an amazing thing, but all the second temple promises in the Old Testament were a fulfillment of that as the people of God. That's what distinguishes us from all the other peoples of the earth. Okay, then he goes on. He says, if anyone destroys a temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. So that's why, you know, I mentioned those six things that are goals of ours. The first one is to be a resting place of the Lord because that's what we're called to be as a church. Every church is called to be that, a temple of the Holy Spirit. When people come, to enc- they actually encounter God because the Holy Spirit is here, Right? He also says this uh, in Ephesians. He says, in him, Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God dwells by his spirit. Huge calling of the the local community of peoples to be a uh, temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're interested, I gave a whole message on this because this is so important. What is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And I have the link there if you have the notes, June 24th. You can check it out on the podcast, because I want to move on. But I don't want us to forget that. Because when we talk about building the church, and I'm going to be talking about that a little bit today, we're talking about literally building God's temple where His presence dwells. We're not talking about a literal building. We're talking about us together as a community are that building. We are that temple. So, as I mentioned, in addition to being God's temple, Scripture also tells us that we are to function as the body of Christ. What does this mean? And I already kind of said it. The church today is acting out the present-day ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that phenomenal? We together are called to be Jesus to the world. Okay? And, it, and it's his ministry that's being completed in the church today. That's a ma- major purpose of the church. You know, you might ask, what's the pur- purpose of, of ch- a church? What's the purpose of uh, getting together? I already mentioned, Temple of the Holy Spirit being the body of Christ. There's others, but these are really important purposes of church. And that's why it's important to continue gathering as a community. Now, Jesus' primary ministry was to preach and demonstrate the kingdom of God. Okay? And he commanded us to do likewise. You see this, and we talked about this throughout the Gospels. Whenever he sent out the disciples, the 12, the 72, the Great Commission, he said, preach the kingdom of God. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely receive, freely give. That's Matthew 10.8. We are called to do that. The Great Commission. Go and do likewise. Okay? So that's that's what we're called to do as a church. Now, we are now Christ's body with diverse parts that all work together to expand God's kingdom. That's what we're talking about. Extending God's kingdom. Expanding God's kingdom through a presence-driven life. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So our mandate as the body is to build the church and impact every sphere of society through kingdom-based evangelism and disciple making, i.e. the great commission. Cuz Jesus said in the great commission, Matthew 28 verse, I think it's 19 and 20, "Go and make disciples of all nations, not converts disciples." Teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. That includes heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand, okay? And so we as a church are supposed to be continuing that ministry and actually doing it, okay? Actually doing it. Now, this is what I want to talk about today, is expanding the kingdom as the body of Christ, Okay, what does that look like? And I'm going to focus on one of, the, one of the things in particular. So one of the primary purposes of the body of Christ is to build the church. And you're going to see this. I'm going to show you scriptures where it actually says, when Paul talks about the body of Christ, it's always to build the church. Always to build the church. Okay? And, by oper- and how? By operating in our unique gifts and functions. That's how the church is built, is by us doing the stuff. I love that phrase. John Wimber always said that, doing the stuff. We're all called to do the stuff, all of us, no matter who we are. That we, and that's the glory of, I love how much that, that is still a part of our DNA and as a, as a uh, movement, Catch the Fire, is empowering. That's right. the E values, empowering people to do the stuff, to do the works that Jesus did, because that's, that's what we're called to do. Okay, and you see this. This is just one example. First Corinthians fourteen twelve. Since you eagerly are, are eager for gifts of the Spirit, how many of you are eager for gifts of the Spirit? Come on, we're in good company. Try to excel in those that what build up the church. That's the point. Building up the church. Okay, and I'm not talking about a building. Talking about the community of people. Talking about the temple of the Holy Spirit. How is it built? Okay? It's not built by uh, building a building. It's built by functioning and operating how God created us. Doing the stuff according to the unique ways God has called us, how he's gifted us. Okay? And as we do that, we're building the church. So we're each gifted uniquely, and we need each other to continue Jesus' kingdom ministry and fulfill the Great Commission. So... Scripture uses this language of the body of Christ to emphasize unity and diversity. How many of you know the word university? It's a combination of these two words, unity and diversity. Diversity and, right? Because we're diverse, we're unique, but we're called to be unified as the body. And that's the point he's always making when he talks about the body of Christ. Okay, we're one body, but we're all unique in our gifts and each have a part to play to build his church. And there's three major portions of Scripture that give us insight into the body. And I just want to highlight some from them today to show us this, because this is a huge part of extending his kingdom. All right, so uh, the portions of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. I'm going to give a couple from that, not the whole thing. Romans 12, 4 to 8, and Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Okay, so I just want to highlight some things to show you this. In the Bible, so we know, okay, this is a huge part of what we're called to do as a church. All right, so first I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 7. It says, there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working, but in all of them, and everyone, is the same God at work. The neat thing about this scripture, it has the Trinity here. Holy Spirit, the, uh, Jesus, and, and the Father, okay? Showing how three in one, right? And that's how we're called to operate too, that we're diverse, we're di- but we're, we're one body. Then he goes on in verse 7, now to each one, to every single person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The common good. Talking about building the church, it's for the common good. It's for the edification of the church. You're going to see that over and over again. Now, I have dot, 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 because he goes on here to list the nine specific gifts. We're going to talk all about that in the near future, so I didn't want to go into it today. But the point I want to make today is the Spirit gives every person for the sake of the entire body. Okay? And that's why we don't want to just be spectators... We want to all have a place to do what God's created us and called us to do together so that we're building his church, that we're extending his kingdom according to how he's gifted us. Okay? So then I'm going to fast forward to verse 12. This is still 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all his many parts form one body. Unity and diversity, right? Right? So it is with Christ, for we are all baptized in one spirit so as to form one body. Notice that's it's the spirit that makes us the body. That's what he's saying here. If you remember that it's the Holy Spirit that distinguishes us as the people of God, that's it. And that's what he's saying here. You've all been baptized in one spirit, and that's what makes you the body. Presence-driven life. Temple of the Holy Spirit. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. That's the one common factor. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many, many parts. Unity and diversity. Then I'm going to fast forward to verse 27. Now look at this. Now you are the body of Christ, talking about the church. And each one of you is a part of it. Okay? There's no, there's no distinguishing, like, oh, you're, you're part of it. I'm not because you do this, and that's awesome. Paul talks about that. He's he's like, doesn't I say to the foot, I don't need you? That's silly. No, you need it, right? We all need each other is the point. We all need each other. So then he goes on. He says, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Just to name some. Okay, there aren't nine gifts of the Spirit those are just some examples, because this is another list, just a few sentences later, where he lists different things, and some overlap, some not. And then in verse chapter 14, he has another list that, are, that has some different things, like Revelation. So there aren't nine gifts of the Spirit. There's way more than that, thank God. It's just those are a representative list. The point I'm trying to make now is that Paul is just saying, hey, look, guys, there's apostles, there's prophets, there's, but we all need each other. We're all an essential part of what the body of Christ is—unity and diversity. Okay, so we all have a vital part to play in the body of Christ, and we're all gifted uniquely to build the church. I'm saying that over and over and over again. I'm <laughs> there's this—this mo- <laughs> this is kidding me. I'll just say there's this movie we watched. I don't necessarily recommend it. It's based on a true story called Joy. And there's this one scene in the movie. It's funny. The guy says. There's this really smart, he's like, there's this really smart guy, and, you know, he said, you tell somebody once, they don't listen. You tell them four times, they still don't listen. You tell them nine times, finally, they begin to hear you. <laughs> and, I, and I guess as a teacher, maybe I have that approach. I have the gift of repetition. But that's, that's the point. I want you to leave here, and, and, and the point I'm trying to make, wow, I have a part to play, and we all need each other to build the body of Christ, Right? Now, Ephesians 4. Look at he this is this is almost a mirror image of what I just read, just a little bit different. Okay, 411. He says, So in Christ gave himself the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to what? Equip people for the works of service. Some versions say for ministry. Okay, so they're not the ones who do this, everything. What the purpose of these functions is to equip you to do these things. So if you're a prophet, you're equipping other people to prophesy. If you're an evangelist, you're equipping people to evangelize. You see what I'm saying? You're equipping the church to do the stuff, the people. So the body, look at why. So the body of Christ may be built up. Notice it's the same thing he's saying. So this is the whole point. This is all necessary so that the church may. Now what does it mean that the church be built up? Fortunately, he says it right here, verse 13. This is phenomenal. He says, until what? We all reach unity in the faith, and in the second, knowledge of the Son of God, and third, become mature. Look at this. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Wow. Wow. That's the point of all this, that we attain to the, what does that even mean? What does that even look like, that we as the body of Christ would attain to the full measure of Jesus Christ? That's what the purpose is, that we function and operate together, created according to how God gifted us, and and so that we would attain to the fullness of Christ as the church. Now, how many of you think that this has been fulfilled? No? No? This you could use as a pretty good argument for those who say there's no longer apostles and prophets because you could say, well, look, that's going to happen until we attain to the full measure of Christ. And if that hasn't, if that hasn't happened yet, then there must still be these gifts in, in operation, right? Anyway, verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, what? The mature body. Of him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and what? Builds itself up. Remember, that's the whole point. Building up the church. In love as what? Each does its work. So you see a different portion of Scripture saying things differently, but saying the same thing in a different way. We're called to function and operate together Unity and diversity to build a church, to build the body of Christ so that we can attain to the fullness of Christ. As the church, doing the stuff that Jesus did, showing the world uh, the Savior, right? And that's what we're called to do, extending the kingdom. So each part must do its work to build the church that attains to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Last but not least, now I wanted to show you this Scripture. Because remember, all these scriptures are talking about the body of Christ in different ways. What I want you to notice, none of the lists are the same. He's just giving different examples. So if you read one list and you're like, oh man, you know, I'm not a prophet or I'm not an apostle. That doesn't apply to me. You can see in these different portions of scripture where he lists several different types of ministries, and they're not all quote-unquote extraordinary ministries. We're not all called to be like Bob Jones. If you don't know who that is, uh, he was a well-known prophet. Okay? So I'm just going to read this. But look at the different kinds of ministries he lists here. They're almost surprising if you read them. So look at this. He says, this is Romans 12, 4 to 8. For just as each of us is one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now look at this. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. If your gift is serving, then serve. If your gift is teaching, then teach. If your gift is encourage, then give encouragement. Isn't that amazing? That's a gift. If you're an encourager, then he's saying, look, go and encourage, because that's a significant gift that's needed in the body of Christ. How many of you could use some encouragement? If you're not raising your hand, I know we all could, right? Anyone, there's, it's inexhaustible. You could, anyone could always use more encouragement. So, How many of you know people who are just so encouraging? Don't you just want to be around them all the time? Because they're just, no matter what, it's like, oh, man, like, you know, whatever. Those are amazing. It's a gift. It's a gift. And we thank God for that ministry. Um, if it's giving, then give generously. Isn't that interesting? Giving's a gift, if it's to lead, do it diligently. <laughs> if it's to show mercy, that's a gift. Then do it cheerfully. What's the point? Paul's giving just this list saying, look, there's, we're all gifted in different ways. Giving, you might, even in ways you might not think is a gift, but it's necessary and it's so important. It's so important. That's how we attain to the full measure of Christ. That's how we fulfill the Great Commission, is to do what we God's created us to do, doing it together to build his church. All right, so the key point we're all gifted uniquely, and everyone in the body of Christ has a part to play to build the church. All of these passages emphasize how each member is unique, and they exhort us all to do our part in the body. Notice the last one I read. He, that was the whole point. He's like, if you prophesy, then prophesy. If you give, then give. If you encourage, then encourage. He's actually, it's almost like, well, why would you need to tell us that, Paul? Because Not everyone's operating in their gifts. And if you don't acknowledge, hey, look, this is a ministry the Lord's given me to encourage people, then you might just not do it, right? But if you realize the glory of it, that as you do it, you're actually building the church, extending God's kingdom, then then it gives it so much dignity, even if it's something that seems less, quote-unquote, honorable, as Paul says. We give honor to those parts because they're so necessary. They're so necessary. Now, what I, what I wanted to say here is, although there's very little mentioned uh, in the Bible about what the early church services looked like, Scripture suggests that at least in Corinth, and this is probably true of all the churches, at least Paul's churches, that everyone participated when they gathered, okay? So, I want to show you this. This is like only. This is one of the very limited verses that give us even a bit of a glimpse of what a church service might have looked like in the early church. And look at what he says. This is 1 Corinthians 14.26. What then shall we say in light of all this that I just talked about, and a lot of it was about the body of Christ, brothers and sisters? When you what? Come together, when you meet together, each of you. Look at the, each of you. He's saying every single one of you has a hymn. Or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. He's saying each one of you comes with one of those. Everything must be done so that the church what might be built up. You see, that's the point. You come together to build the church, and you each come with something to give so that the church build gets built up. Look at in verse thirty-one. This is just a few verses later. For You can what? All prophesy in turn. He's saying every one of you when you're gathered can take turns prophesying. So that what? Everyone may be instructed and encouraged, i.e. built up. Now, the question when you read these verses, how is that possible? Because if you think about it, the way we do church in North America, or just in general usually, no matter where you are, is it's just not feasible to have every single person doing something or else we'd be there for like, you know, four days straight. If You know, like, he's saying everyone can prophesy, everyone has a hymn, everyone has a revelation. So how did they do it? Chances are, he's talking about what we would call home groups because they met in their homes. And I'm going to show you scripture in a minute in this. In fact... Because, right, it's just not feasible. When you get over a certain number of people, like, say, 12, it's just this kind of thing doesn't become really possible. And then it, it's unfortunate because if you have that many people, then not everyone can participate, and that means that the body is not uh, operating in its full potential because we want everyone to participate. That's what he's saying. Each of you should be participating in the gifts God's given you. So how do we do this practically? Now, in Corinth, the interesting thing is, Their homes were not like our homes. In fact, the biggest villa, when they excavated Corinth, could hold maybe 50 people max. The biggest one. Meaning, their church services were probably, they didn't have mega churches. (laughs) We'd probably be a mega church according to their standards, because they, they just couldn't do it. They didn't have, where, would they, where did they meet? So chances are, if there were more, which there probably were more than 50 people, this is how they did it in different people's homes. And maybe they gathered together somehow, somewhere, maybe in this big villa that could fit 50 people, but normally when it, he's talking about when you gather together, it's in this home group setting. It's in this home setting, this intimate setting, so that it's feasible for each person to participate. Okay, and I I want to show you the scripture that actually says this. What did the early church look like? What did their services look like? What did they actually do? This is, again, one of the very few that actually give us a glimpse. This is in Acts chapter 2. It's 42 to 47. So I'm going to just read 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread, what? In their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Talking about evangelism. You see here, the point is, they met in their homes. This is where the fellowship took place. This is where the stuff happened. This is how and where people could, everybody prophesy in turn, and everyone get instructed, okay? And everyone get encouraged, is in their homes. interesting, uh, this verse always reminds me of uh, John Wimber. I don't remember the exact details, but I I, I listened to a couple of his uh, courses on church planting, and I remember him saying, this is just interesting to me, you guys know John Wimber, he was the leader of the vineyard, and, you know, Keshavar comes from that. But anyway, when he planted the, the Anaheim church, he, he waited. They waited several years. They're like, we want the Lord to show us what we're supposed to do. We don't want to be presumptuous. Like, what's a church supposed to look like? What are, what are the things we should have in a service? So they just, you know, sought the Lord. And I forget how long it took. It might have been a couple of years. The Lord gave them this verse. And, and John said, okay, this is a word from the Lord. When we meet, these things are going to happen. Whether anything else happens or not, these things are going to happen. There's going to be prayer and worship, there's going to be fellowship, and there's going to be teaching, right? You see all those things there. And he said, no ma- so no matter what we do, we're going to do those three things, because that's you know, what the scripture said, is what they did. And they went, I think, like, something like several years, like five years without any other program. They just <laughs> and then when someone said, hey, I, you know, I think I should start a Sunday school, they did. But they, but they just said, no matter what we do, we're going to do this, and I think that's a good thing, right? Like this. Is, so, what are the when you boil it all down? What should a Sunday service or whatever look like? You should have these things incorporated, and that's why today we want to start having more intentional. Now we have fellowship time, hospitality every Sunday, and thank God for you guys who are helping with that every single week. And that's the point is to uh, have fellowship because, like, look in this context, even with you know not so like whatever people. Um, it's not always easy to have deep fellowship, is it? So, so that can happen when you're actually intentional after the service and strike up conversation, get to know each other. Okay. What's the point? When they gathered, the early church devoted themselves to teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer and praising God. This took place in the temple courts and in their homes. Okay. Why am I emphasizing that? Talking about the body of Christ. How is it possible for us to all function and operate in our gifts and to actually participate? Right? What should we do in light of all this is the question. So this is what, first I want to just summarize. Okay? So scripture tells us we're, we're all called to function as the body of Christ, acting out the present day ministry of Jesus. Okay? We're now Christ's body with diverse gifts that all work together to expand God's kingdom. We do this by building the church and impacting society through kingdom-based evangelism and disciple making. Okay, and we're going to be thank God we're having Curtis Hines come here from the Airport Church in May and he's doing a whole weekend on evangelism, on outreach. Because it's such a crucial part as the body of Christ. That's where we're supposed to be showing the love of God to the world, right? And come join the party, right? And so it's so important that we actually go out and show the love of God to people. So the body of Christ works best when everyone participates by doing their part to build the church. Scripture suggests that the context where participation and growth can best happen is home groups or in the home, or getting together for coffee. Right? It doesn't have to be an official home group. I just mean getting together in a context where we can all participate. And I love that. Like uh, 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 the last couple of semesters, I've had a book study, Final Quest. How many of you are part of that here today? Yeah. How many did you enjoy the discussion? It was phenomenal. You learn so much more hearing what other people, what the Lord spoke to other people and their different perspectives and everything, and you just get so much more out of it because the body's functioning together. And you're able to in that kind of setting because it's a smaller setting. Everyone can actually participate, and it's awesome. And then the body gets built up from each other's diverse gifts. So, therefore, one way we would like to practically, quote-unquote, build the church this year and beyond is by encouraging more participation in connect groups. We love our connect groups, but you can never have enough connect groups, right? Part of what we've wanted since the beginning is to increase the number of connect groups that we currently have with the goal that every single region in Ottawa, there's at least one group, at least one group represented. Because, you know, the beauty of the church, blows me away almost every Sunday like, man, I'm looking over here, you, what, five of you have driven over an hour, an hour to be here. Actually, that's almost all of you. <laughs> I think the average commute time to church on a Sunday is like something like 30 kilometers. I figured it out once. Like, it's amazing. That means half the people are driving more than that, are driving like 30 minutes or more to be here. It's amazing. What, why? We're a regional church. It's part of our DNA is catch the fire. It's inevitable because if you even look at the airport church, people come from all over the world to be there or even in their local community all over Toronto driving. Like we used to drive, what, 45 minutes to go there every Sunday or on a Sunday, I think is, our half hour, 40 minutes. Anyway, what's the point? We, it's because we, we have the same heart. We, you know, if you're coming here, you, 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 there's something that, right, you're, we're part of, you're part of the tribe or whatever you want to say. But that comes with challenges, doesn't it? And part of the challenge is just geographically, it's not so easy to fellowship, right? It's not like we're a traditional local church where we all live within a couple miles and we can just... No, it's not that easy. And so we have to be extra intentional to do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, most of you have to commute a long way. Like, some of you in the Final Quest book, I was amazed you drove like an hour to be part of the book study. It's phenomenal. But the point I'm trying to make is... For that reason, we really need more connect groups, even if they're just small connect groups, so that everyone that that there isn't that geographical barrier. So there's some people who don't have cars, or it's not so easy to drive, you know, forty-five minutes to join one. There's oh, there's one just five minutes away, or whatever, right? So you can never have enough. And really, uh, my point today is that it, th- I think we all, I think most would agree, they're essential. That's why most churches have them. They're essential for that deep fellowship to happen where the body of Christ can grow together, right? So what we wanted to say is that you can participate by either starting or leading a connect group or by joining one, okay? Now, I know a lot of you already are joined to one or are leading one, but there's always more <laughs> room for more, right? Um, And and I just wanted to say this practically. There's two types of groups you could either join or start. Okay, we call them both connect groups, but there's small groups, which is the more traditional, and I'm going to talk about this more, more traditional home group, and then there's special interest groups, and we have both at this church. So what's a small group? What's the difference here? A small group are groups of of 12 to 15 people-ish, I mean more or less, um, that meet in lo- locations across the Ottawa region in order to experience God, learn about the Bible, grow in faith, and meet new friends. We want to encourage participation so that people can grow in their gifts as the body of Christ. And that's something, right, and that's what I love about our home groups. We hear all the time that it's really participatory and that uh, p- their people are encouraged to bring their gifts and to operate in them. And that's awesome. And that's what we encourage, Right? The application of, hey, let's, just, let's do this. Let's do this stuff. Let's grow and learn and, and have a safe context to even make mistakes if we're trying to grow in the gifts of the Spirit and that sort of thing. Right? Now, what I wanted to say, just to elaborate on this a little bit, these are just some four things that should be represented in a home group. Because okay? remember, every part does its share, so we want everyone in a home group to participate. That's from Ephesians four sixteen. So the so the way to do the small group setting, doing four primary activities based on that Acts two forty two scripture, discipleship number one. So we want discipleship making through discussions on the scripture, Christian materials, whatever. Right. We had the School of Champions and Pierre and anne Marie's group, for instance. Um, just whatever it is, you, you like. Hey, I'm feeling the Lord wants us to do this, but right. The point is the the teaching. They came and heard teaching or they they had group discussion to grow together. Relationship building, that's the fellowship. A place to develop kingdom relationships. Ministry to the Lord and ministry to each other. If you remember in Acts, prayer and worship. Okay, that's a place where people can come together to worship, to pray and speak blessings of each other and to function and operate in our gifts. And last but definitely not least, we want to encourage outreach. Now this doesn't have to be every week. This doesn't even have to be every month, but we want you guys to, as a group, to be intentional about some, praying about, hey, how can we impact every sphere of society, right, through evangelism and through outreach and impacting people? Is Doing the stuff, how do we do that? What better way than to have a group of people who know each other, who know their gifts, and say, hey, as a group, why don't we go do this? And it could be anything. There's no limits. It could be even prayer walking and just if you run into someone, right, talking to them. I don't know. But this is definitely something we want to encourage home groups to have this in their minds. Like, hey, how can we actually do this stuff? How can we go and impact Ottawa in a practical way? Special interest groups simply are groups that are unique in their emphasis and focus and maybe just for a specific time periods. So if, if you're like, hey, I want to lead this. I don't want to commit to like doing something for like three years. What about a good book you read? That, hey, we could, I, could, I could just, you know, help facilitate group discussion over a, a Christian book that I think is really good, or, or a video. We have two How to Hear God's Voice uh, special groups right now happening with the videos that Mark Verkler made. We have the Creative Arts Group. We have so many special interest groups, so if that's something that interests you, you don't have to meet every week. You can meet every other week. You can meet every third week. You can meet every... Right? There's lots of flexibility. But there's no, most people could start one of these, right? Like I said, you could just get a curriculum, hey, we want to do this, meet together, have group discussion. Like um, what I did with the final quest, it's just you do it for a semester and then it's done, and right? So, what's the point? Please let us know if you're interested in starting or leading a connect group in 2018, or joining one. But right now we want to encourage new ones. And so if you are interested, you'll notice we have these old Connect cards on the pews. um, And you can check off Connect Group and put your name and say, hey, I might be interested in leading one. And you're not committing. We could just talk about it. Say, hey, what's something that's needed? Or, hey, I like this book. Maybe we could do it. Um, Or if you want to participate, either way, feel free to, there's a home group option. Uh, Just fill it out. Either tell us or hand one in. Um, Also, please let us know if the Lord's leading you to volunteer for a ministry in the Sunday service. Of course, we, (laughs) I don't want to, God forbid, I make it sound like the only way you can participate is in home groups. No way. No way. That's just the context where you can go deep and really do the stuff together. But, of course, if you want to volunteer, and that's why we also wanted to give you these, check it out. There's a whole bunch of different, uh, you know, in every ministry we could use more. Um, You can take this home, pray about it. Fill it out, hand it in, come talk to us. Um, But we just wanted to give you these connect cards for that reason. That, hey, if you're interested, maybe the Lord's leading you to do something. And then we even have another box. Like, and fill it in. Like, hey, I'm feeling like this ministry's needed. And it might be something we haven't even thought of. But you're gifted in that way. And you're like, hey, we could use this ministry. What do you think of this? We'd love to hear that. Okay? So... All that to say, in sum, and then we're going to go eat some soup. 2018 theme, expanding God's kingdom through the presence-driven life. One major way to expand the kingdom is through operating as the body of Christ and using our gifts to build the church. One practical way to do this is to participate in connect groups, which we'll be looking to expand in 2018. Amen? Soup time. Woo! So, oh, you want to say something? Go for it.
0: So I was just going to mention to you on the website, we have some descriptions of home groups. So if you're yeah, not absolutely. in one yet and you're just interested in um, the places and the people who lead them, then you can absolutely look online for more information about that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And just kind of in summary, too, with with this whole thing, it's all just about family, right? We're all just about building family and being more about... Um, being God's kids together, and learning how to learn and grow, and and grow in love and family. Because when we go into deeper relationships with people, that's where we really get to learn to grow, right? Am I right? Yeah. So when we go really close, and and you can rub up against each other, and their issues can bother you, and your issues can bother them, and then we, with the, you know, the iron sharpens iron, and we can really learn to love in that place. And so it's just an awesome way to have deeper relationships and grow as a family. So that's
1: it. Thanks, Trish. That's yeah. awesome. So no, that's that's absolutely right, right? And that's the other purpose of the church is to be the family of God. That's another metaphor that's used. But anyway. Soup time. <laughs> I wanted to say, if you guys have, I think most of us have been here for soup time. If you haven't, it's in the hall and we encourage you all to go there now. Get some soup, some fellowship, sit wherever you like. Then we're going to take communion together because it says they actually took, they, they had the Lord's meal over a meal uh, together. And so once everybody's seated and had some soup and stuff, then at some point we'll interrupt and take communion together together. So that'll be fun. But anyway, feel, uh, feel free to go there now. Uh, and we look forward to having fellowship time. If you got to go, Happy New Year. Hope you have an amazing uh, whatever you're doing. And, and see you next week. Bless you guys. Oh, it's love. So.